Thank you, Francie. Two weeks ago, we talked about what it means to sin boldly, but to believe and rejoice in Christ even more boldly. We, talk about, we talked about God's love for the world and how that led to God's desire to save the world and how that love opened space for us to be brave, make changes, and begin to move towards God's, toward God's vision for this church. We talked about how that vision must emerge from among us as we pray and listen and move in rhythm with the Spirit. How we come together as individuals informs how we operate as a congregation. Last week, we talked about the charge presented to 1 Timothy to contest the good contest. That is, a life of faith and mission requires stamina to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. We are promised an experience of eternal life in the here and now because Christ has brought eternity into the midst of us. We have never not lived in the eternality of God. Because of this, we can and should live boldly. If sinning boldly means we are free in Christ to do what serves the beloved community, and if living boldly means we cultivate the qualities entrusted to Timothy and by extension to us in that community, what can it mean to love boldly? This is where we will spend time today. Today's text comes from 2 Timothy, as Francie said. While many believe 1 Timothy was penned by Paul, most scholars do not think 2 Timothy was written by him, but rather by another who studied under him and wishes to encourage Timothy. Either way, to put it plainly, Timothy is struggling. This letter is written to exhort him to stay faithful, to remember where he comes from, and to recall the work of God. It begins like this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did, when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure lives in you. The opening passage is meant to remind us of the power of passing on our faith to younger generations. You've often heard me speak of my grandparents who ensured I grew up in church since my parents were not at the time churchgoers. I think we all like knowing what we have done, how we have encouraged others in the faith, and the ways that that has been fruitful. For many of us, however, that simply has not borne out. We have taught our children diligently, yet many of them have walked away from the faith. Does that mean we have been unfaithful? Does that mean we have failed as parents? What are we supposed to do? I want to suggest that we receive the author's words as a hope-filled exhortation to continue ourselves in the faith. Even Timothy, who was raised in the faith and taught in the faith and witnessed power in the faith, even he struggled so much that he needed letters to continue in the faith. If one so great as he was such a great heritage stumbled, how much more grace can we give ourselves? I would suggest, too, that living faithfully or contesting the good contest 
means that we continue to be ready to give account for the hope that is within us. And in all situations, we are to love our children boldly. We choose to remember that it is the Spirit's job to convict and bring to faith. We choose not to strive to change people, remembering that Jesus calls us to change our own behavior rather than seek to control others. Christianity is meant to be a winsome faith. So the more others see its beauty manifested in us, in our actions and in the community we create, the more likely they will be to join us in holy work. When we struggle in the faith, and we all do, we are meant to remind ourselves of those who have served as faithful witnesses in our life. Not every faithful witness is a parent. You may be someone's example of a faithful witness and never know it. This leads us to the next part of the letter. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Do not be ashamed then of the testimony about our Lord or of me as his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, <clears throat> not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. As I said earlier, Timothy seems to be struggling. His faithfulness has come under question. He is behaving in ways that are cowardly. Our writer tells us that the light has gone out of him and he needs to rekindle the gift of God by relying on the power of God. For it is the power of God who has saved us and called us according to God's purposes and grace. The author reminds Timothy that cowardice is not God's gift, but that power and love and self-discipline are. J. Peter Holmes writes, to rekindle the gift means to stir up the grace and faith and love we have received, and we stir them up by putting them into practice. Here's what I think it means to love boldly. It is to remind ourselves that what transformed us was not an argument for the existence of God or someone else's story about God, but our own encounter with God. We saw others encounter God and longed for that same kind of transformation. We recognize the power of a life of faith in creating change in us and around us, and we wanted more of that. Our call is to love as we have been loved, no more and no less. We must stir up the gift of God because it is what allows us to answer the call. The text continues, For this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher, and for this reason I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know the one in whom I have put my trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard until that day what I have entrusted to him. Hold to the standard of sound, sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. A life of faith is one in which we recognize the one in whom we have placed our trust. The scriptures tell us we will suffer for it, whether that suffering comes in the form of persecution or simply not seeing the fruit of our faithfulness in the present. 
loving boldly, is committing to this life of faith even so. Loving boldly is stirring up the gifts of power, love, and self-discipline in this community to accomplish the holy ends God has set before us. Community doesn't just happen. It requires active participation, and it requires a choice. It is not a passive, but rather an intentional process. What do you envision for this community? What do you want to see happen here? If we do not guard what has been entrusted to us, if we do not dream for more than we have presently, the community will not long survive. The power of God is in this place, but we must seize hold of it and not take for granted the gift of God. Loving boldly is not a kindly platitude, but a godly command. We must dream, yes, but we also must act and do so honestly. What are you honestly willing to do to fashion this community in God's vision for it? Are you willing to dream together, meet together, pray together, change together, work together, and become the church together? The things we did in the past are not the things that will carry us through the next iteration of ministry. I can't say with certainty what our future looks like. What I do know is the one in whom I have put my trust. I do know the examples I have seen in the faith. I do know that God wants to do a new thing. I do know God is in the business of rekindling flames. Where do you need the spirit to fan into flame something in you to serve as you are called? Where do you need to say yes in service to the beloved community? What part is yours to do? Pray about it, friends. Follow the promptings of the Spirit and live boldly. Amen.